Hello, everybody. It is Tim. It is the honor roll. The last one, for at least a little bit. I am a little late. I'm a, this is going to be my top 10 list. And so if you've been following along with me all year, thank you. Uh, this is what it's all been leading up to. This is the grand finale for the year of 2022. I'm a couple days late, I know. I had some weather-related recording issues, but I'm here. So we will get to my top 10 list in a little bit. What I want to do first, though, I want to, every year, well, two years now, I have done superlatives. And basically, it's just me Googling yearbook superlatives on the internet and finding a bunch of them to apply to this year's biggest and smallest horror movies and characters. I did things a little differently this year. I have character-based and movie-based superlatives. So let's go through a couple of these right here to get things kicked off before I get in my top 10. And, and let's just see how things go here. We're going to start with the biggest flirt. And my biggest flirt of 2022, this goes to Sebastian Stan in Fresh. I did not write his character's name down, but he's quite the flirt. If you will, that is on, uh, that's on Hulu. I like that movie quite a bit. It made my honor roll. Um, number, excuse me, not number. Next up. Class Clown. I think the obvious choice here would probably be Art. Art the Clown from the Terrifier movies. But I am actually going to go with uh, the Jack in the Box from Jack in the Box The Awakening. I like those movies. Those are those are what I like to call 2B specials. The one and two. There are two of them out there right now. Uh, I don't think they're anything to go crazy about, but they're enjoyable Tubi watches. Um, if you're looking for something on there, if you're looking for a clown movie on Tubi, well, you're in luck because there are probably a thousand of them. And I probably could have researched more and come up with a better joke for class cloud based on Tubi movies, but I didn't do that. Uh, cutest couple, the cutest couple of 2022. That award is going to go to, uh, Corey and Michael. I thought they were an adorable couple in Halloween ends. Uh, I'll stay away from spoilers, but I thought they worked very well together until they didn't. Uh, Life of the Party. My Life of the Party goes to Pat Smear from the Foo Fighters in the Foo Fighters movie Studio 666. A bittersweet movie with the death of Taylor Hawkins, but Pat Smear looks like he's having the time of his life in this movie. He is the life of the party in 2022 because he cannot keep a straight face pretty much the entire movie. So if you're going to watch Studio 666, which is a fun enough little horror comedy. Uh, make sure to pay attention to him, especially. Let's do most change. I, the most change has to be Pinhead. Female now. So there you go. Uh, the best smile goes to the Smile Demon from Smile. Pretty obvious one there. Best dress. So I gave this to my favorite kind of costume of the year. My favorite, And I, I went with Ethan Hawke's mask and black phone. That was my favorite piece of like wardrobe or, um, yeah, costume the entire year. I thought it was very striking. Um, had a lot of throwbacks to old like silent film horror. Um, and Hawke's performance in it definitely did as well. Best hair. Uh, I went with, uh, I needed to give Firestarter award because I washed it and uh, needed to do something with it. Uh, so best hair goes to the poster for Firestarter because I think our hair is on fire. That So there you go. Simple enough, right? Uh, best click. I've got the kids, the younger generation in Scream. And I'll get to the older folks here in a minute. But I really liked, 
And I'll talk a little bit more about Scream uh, coming up in my top 10. But I really liked the younger kids in Scream, and I'm excited that um, most of them made it out of the movie alive. So there you go. Uh, most likely to drop his or her phone in the toilet. So this is kind of like the clumsiest. And this is going to go to Pete Davidson's character in Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Uh, most helpful. Uh, the woman on the phone, I think she works for an app in See For Me. Uh, See For Me is uh, kind of a, a fun, smaller horror thriller. And it's about someone who is blind staying at a house. And the person on the other end has to help them survive. So there you go. She was very helpful. Most liked by the by parents. There are a couple choices here, but I'm going to have to go with the original cast from Scream. Uh, this just, it's, you know, it's, I mean, the passage of time, if you will. I remember when I was a kid and they were still, and they were brand new babies, the older cast in Scream. But now, my generation is becoming parents or not, um, but they're becoming older. And there you go. Most likely to talk your ear off. A couple choices here. The main character in Deadstream, he talks a lot. And I know this is Rich coming from someone who's talking by himself into a microphone uh, 14 or 15 times a year. But he talks a lot. Or Rebecca Hall's character in uh, Resurrection. (laughs) Because there's a seed where she just unloads her entire past out of her intern, and the intern just kind of looks at her and goes, well, uh, anything else? <laughs> Thanks for that. She's a very dark past. Very, uh, kind of a bummer. Uh, so one of those two, take your pick. Uh, most likely to be president. Well, judging by the statistics, I would say one of the men, for men, Alex Garland movie, most likely to become a professional athlete. So, Wormwood Apocalypse, a movie that was on my honor roll and I quite enjoyed. I like both Wormwood movies, so check them out if you have not. I believe they are both streaming. I think they might be even be on Tubi for free. But they're a lot of fun. Um, but there's this dude at the beginning who was up there doing, like, the pommel horse. Like, gymnastics, like, rings and stuff um, above a bunch of zombies. Like, it's his daily routine workout. Rocks. I think that guy's got a future. In, uh, in athletics. All right, let's do a couple more here. Uh, most likely to get ID'd when they're 30. So this is like the youngest looking. And this is a pretty obvious choice as well. This is going to be the orphan from Orphan. Most likely, let's end this on a sweet note, though. Most likely to remain sweethearts. Uh, the main couple, Mia Goth. Um, the main couple in X, Ty West X. X is kind of a sweet movie about... Old people having sex. All right. Let's do a couple movie-based ones. Most likely to succeed. This is going to go to Terrifier 2 because I don't know uh, what to believe when it comes to movie budgets, but this had a low budget and was kind of a sensation at the box office. So I'm going to give this one to Terrifier 2, the little little franchise that could. And once again, spoiler alert, I um, will be talking about Terrifier 2 quite a bit here in a second. Uh, Most unique. This is my most unique movie of the year. Another movie I'm going to be talking about here in a second. But that's Mad God. The stop motion animation movie from Phil Tippett, the FX man. Then let's do most likely to sleep through an earthquake. Okay, so what I did here is I gave this. I don't like doing worst movies of the year. 
Uh, but I got to be a little bit snarky here. So this is like the most boring movie I watched this year. And that was the Requiem, uh, the shark movie with Alicia Silverstone. You should not be making a shark movie this dull. A shark doesn't even show up till like, uh, it takes forever. It's mostly them staying in um, like a house, a house on the lake. Like literally, like, well, in the ocean or something. It's, I don't care. Uh, yeah, it's not a lake. <laughs> that would have been much more interesting, actually. Uh, most affectionate. This is going to be my sweetest horror movie of the year, or at least the sweetest part of a horror movie of the year. I guess that would have been X, but I already gave X an award, a superlative. I'm going to go with Rob Zombie's The Monsters, which is really just a love letter to his wife in some ways, I think. Cherry Moon Zombie. Not a great movie, but a sweet movie for what it is. If we are talking about um, reboots of old TV shows, I think Wednesday does a much better job than The Monsters. But The Monsters, I, I didn't hate it. All right, a couple more here. Most likely to brighten your day. This is my favorite horror comedy of the year. I'm going to go with Day Shift, probably. The Jamie Foxx Netflix movie. Uh, J- uh, not James. Uh, Dave Franco. Snoop Dogg. That was, that's kind of a fun little time waster on Netflix. The other one I really liked was Let the Wrong One In, which is an Irish horror comedy. The Irish have made some good horror comedies over the past year. So if you can find Let the Right One In, check it out. I believe it's on Shudder. Uh, don't quote me on that. Biggest Downer of the year. That's The Sadness. Uh, really good movie, but man, I was really bummed out. I needed a shower after. It's kind of gross, too, uh, but very good. Um, and I'm going to do most informative movie there. So this is my best documentary, my favorite documentary of the year. <sighs> I think the best one is actually probably, well, the most informative one is The Woodlands, uh, the folk horror documentary on Shudder uh, that was like four hours long. But my favorite one was Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. I tend to like um, documentaries more in the 90 minute range. I didn't, I fell out uh, pretty early on documentaries this year. So I missed a couple of them. I missed that, uh, the Pennywise one that came out, the, um, the it, I think it's on Screenbox, the one that's about the, uh, the original it miniseries. But yeah, there you go. So that, are, those are the superlatives. Let's, uh, recap this honor roll here before we get into my top 10. I watched, I just want to let people know how much I like movies because like sometimes I feel like I come off negative. 74 horror movies this year and 30 of them made, that's a pretty good hit rate, uh, my honor roll. So those are movie, on the movies on the honor roll are the movies I really liked. Um, some of my honorable mentions that didn't make my top 10, Hellbender, uh, the mother-daughter horror movie that's on uh, Shudder. That's really unique, kind of fun. The Spine of Night, which is an animated movie kind of in the vein of like a heavy metal that ruled that's on Shudder. Orphan First Kill, which is in line with the first Orphan and its trashiness. But I I don't know if like I didn't like it quite as much. I did like it a lot, especially in the second half when it gets going. But like it looked kind of like crap. I didn't like it look pretty bad. Uh, I don't have Halloween Ends on here. I just I respect it more than I liked it. The other one um, that I want to mention real quick for honorable mention is um, Significant Other. That took me by surprise. That's on Paramount Plus right now. Uh, I will say this. If you're looking for great twists in horror movies, that uh, give that one a shot. Um, every, anything else on here? Yeah, 30. I'm not going to go through all 30. Uh, Wormwood Apocalypse, I mentioned. I really like that. I really like the black phone. But let's not waste any more time here. Let's talk about my top 10 movies of the year. Number 10, I had this narrowed down to two movies, either this or Hellbender. 
and I went with Deadstream at my number 10. I remember I like found footage movies quite a bit now, now that it's become less prevalent. I'm always like, I'm always like excited now when I see a found footage movies. I think ever since like the 2000s, when we were getting one every week, it seemed like it got exhausting. Um, this movie is more, this movie is more like a morality tale, kind of like an EC Comics style morality tale. It's about how you have to be genuine when you are asking for forgiveness. And I think the main character is not exactly likable, but I think that's by design. And you are with him on this journey to where you, you're just like, come on, man, just admit you are an idiot. And I think uh, Joseph Winter uh, does a great job there. Uh, he can be a little bit grating, but I think that works in a movie, a morality tales movie like this. Think like Evil Dead, not as good as Evil Dead, um, or Creep Show, Tales from the Correct EC Comics. I think that fits along nicely here, and I think it has a couple of really good found footage style scares. And I wanted to give it a shout out here. So that's Deadstream at number ten. Number nine. We are going to talk about Crimes of the Future, the new Cronenberg joint. Uh, this is the return of Cronenberg to horror. This is the most I have enjoyed have enjoyed a David Cronenberg movie probably since Eastern Promises. I will be completely honest. Worked at a video store during, um, so I got a dangerous method. We used to have, like, we used to get the movies to preview for free, and I fell asleep during a dangerous method. I'm not going to lie. That's clinical Cronenberg. Um, I tapped out early. Cosmopolis was another one. I think I rented it, and like I either shut it off or just started screwing around on my phone. I'll be honest with you, not for me. And I didn't. I have not bothered with Maps of the Stars. I'm sure someone will say it's good. I'm sure it probably is good. Uh, but it just after those last two Cronenberg movies, I was not. I've not been high on Cronenberg's more recent stuff, and I think that's because I prefer his horror works to his more clinical stuff. Um, but this feels very much in line with his earlier work. A bunch of those trademarks are there, government conspiracies, body horror, but there's a hopefulness and an evolution of Cronenberg in this movie. The body horror is there, but I do think it's less trying to scare you and freak you out and more about kind of accepting, maybe even in a bittersweet way, the kind of fusion of evolutions, uh, an evolution of humans and technology kind of working together. I, I really dug this. Um, for sure. So Crimes of the Future is my number nine. Number eight. A little low, but I think there is a ton of potential for this franchise now. That's Scream. I don't like Scream 4. I've come to grips with this. I know a lot of people have are fans of this. I think there's been a reevaluation of it. I don't think it's very good. Uh, I think this corrects a lot of the missteps from that movie. Scream 4, I didn't like the younger cast that much. I think it looks like crap. Um, I think it's I don't know what Wes was doing towards the end of his career with the cinematography and stuff. I think the killer reveal in 4 is fine. It does this weird, though, my biggest problem with it is it does this weird kind of anti-scream thing to me, which it sides with the older generation. It feels too too reverent to the older generation rather than the younger kids, and that's not what Scream is to me. Uh, I think Scream... 2022 Scream 5. Let's call it Scream 5. Uh, I think this handles the mix of older and younger casts much better. I think it feels more like a passing of the torch. The older cast doesn't dominate things. I am ready to continue with these kids in the next movie. I am excited 
to continue with this cast in the next movie. And I'm hoping the directors get a little bit more freedom in the next movie because I think they do a nice job of paying tribute to the original movies without going overboard. But I do feel, I don't want to say compromise, but I do feel as if they haven't fully shown their voice. And if you've seen some of their past work, like Ready or Not, you know they have a strong voice. And I don't think it's all the way there yet. And I'm hoping we get to see it a little bit more in Scream 6. But Scream 5, we're calling it that, is my number 8. Number 7, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I'm just going to say this. Uh, this has my favorite end of the year. It's hilarious. Um, it may be the best ending of the last few years. I'd have to go back and double check my work here, but it's great. Um, I think this is wonderfully... I think this is wonderfully mean. I think in a movie, in a world where people love to say the children, the kids are going to save us, this has the guts to say that kids are just as dumb and self-absorbed and uh, mean-spirited as the rest of us. Um, I think this is a a very funny movie. I hesitated almost even to include it on this because it's more of a dark comedy than a horror movie. But I didn't love the way this one was sold either. But that's kind of in line with a lot of how we sell things. Halloween Ends was the biggest um, offender of mis-selling a movie purposefully uh, this year. I didn't. This was sold like a slasher. It ends up being more of a dark comedy kind of paranoia or something like The Thing. I is what I compare it like a Gen Z version of The Thing. Uh, this movie though has the guts to say, "Hey, hey, youths, you are." just as shitty as the rest of us olds. So, and I thank you for that. Um, so, but I think the difference between this and uh, Scream 4 is uh, this movie has a very dark outlook at everything where it just thinks everybody's crap. And a lot of times I don't like that, but this was funny enough that I did like it quite a bit. So number seven is bodies, bodies, bodies. Number six, Chloe Okuno's Watcher. I think it's just Watcher. Hmm, I should go double check that. Too late. Um, she is one to watch as a director. I think this movie cements her as that. She directed my favorite VHS segment, VHS 94 segment, uh, with Storm Train, Hail Ratma. She also has been on, and I gave this show a shot, and it just didn't do a lot for me, but that's the Showtime version of Let the Right One In, but it's a gorgeous-looking show. This movie, Watcher, though, focuses on story intention very old school way it, a lot of movies these days and i've become a little bit exhausted with it sometimes it's tough to pull off i think there's one movie later that pulls it off very well uh, later in my countdown this one is not trying to shock you it's not trying to misdirect you it is trying to tell and for lack of a better term hitchcockian uh, it's a hitchcockian thriller um but in the best sense um she it's smart um, it, but it's very controlled. Um, it also has Burn Gorman in it, and he is terrific, as Burn Gorman al- always is. Um, one of the great names. I don't know if he's related to Psycho Gorman, but I will do some research on that. Check out. But Watcher, terrific little thriller on Shutter now. Uh, my number six movie of the year. Number five, I'm gonna go with X. This was the year in Ty- a year of Ty West in a lot of ways. Two movies. This one in Pearl. I preferred this one to Pearl. I preferred this one quite a bit. Uh, this feels like a full... X feels like a fully realized film. Uh, Pearl feels more like an acting, filmmaking exercise, and I think it's successful in that way, but I also... I think X makes better use of its time period 
and it does so in deeper ways that connect more to the themes and the plot than Pearl does, which is more uh, window dressing for me. And that was a problem I had with a lot of early Ty West movies. Um, but this one, I think, is I think this is his best movie. Um, I also think this has really great performances across the board. Brittany Snow, uh, Kikuti, um, in addition to Mia Goth, who's getting a lot. Uh, Jenna Ortega is great in this. Um, Mia Goth is getting a lot of the praise, and she should. She's fantastic. Um, but I think a lot of that has to do with her performance in Pearl, which she's very good in Pearl as well. Um, it's also kind of sweet. I think this is a really sweet movie. And you don't get to see old people having sex as a theme in horror movies, but you get it in X. It's what the movie's about. So there you go. X it's probably my favorite Ty West movie and my number five movie of 2022. Uh, number four. Number four, I've got Mad God, which is a delightfully weird little movie. This movie is on Shudder now. This movie actually started, um, began 30 years ago. It's a stop-motion movie. He, Phil Tippett, who did effects work on Jurassic Park, um, Starship Troopers, Empire Strikes Back. He has actually been in a couple of my favorite things this year. Well, been involved with a couple of favorite things this year. Uh, The other one being the ILM documentary on Disney Plus, which is very good. It it is a bit um what's the word? I don't know, reverent, I guess. Um I mean it feels like a commercial for ILM, but you know what? ILM deserves it. They've done a lot of great work, then they've changed the entire industry. But so they deserve some kudos. But this is this is all him. And he crowdfunded this project on Kickstarter. Uh it was released in chapters for the subscribers on Kickstarter. But the work has been complete, and it is on Shutter now. And he worked with volunteers and friends to finish this. It's an 82-minute movie, stop motion, um, and it's very nightmarish, and it's dialogue-free. And I don't want to say too much about it. Um, it was a great year, I think, in genre animation. I think Wendell and Wilde was quite good. Um, I mentioned, um, oh, God. Now I'm blanking on it. What was the movie I mentioned that was kind of like the uh, the heavy metal style? Oh, The Spine of Night. Um, so some really cool animated movies. But uh, Mad God is my favorite of them. And I don't want to say too much about it other than check it out if you're in the mood for something weird and different. And if you like stop motion, like I do. Next up, a different movie, a big budget movie that is, I think, in, uh, in debt to a lot of those movies I mentioned, those Phil Tippett movies. But that's Nope. This stars Kiki Palmer and Boy Does It. In a year of great genre performances, I think I mentioned a couple of them, I think Kiki, Kiki Palmer gives the best performance of the year in a horror movie. I think she is magnetic. I think she has to convey a lot in this movie, from fear to happiness. Um, I think she is incredible in this movie and I think she carries the movie um and it is a movie that we've been back in the theaters now for a year or two um it didn't it didn't really it's still kind of stuttering back to life I haven't felt necessarily with one of these a lot of big budget movies don't look great (laughs) um especially these days I did this was the first one first time I've been in a theater where, and the first time, oh wait, 
whatever. I Top Gun Maverick popped in my head. And now I can't remember which one was released first. But this and Top Gun Maverick are the two movies where I went, okay, now I remember why I love being in a movie theater. This is why. Um, and nope, this is why. I, this, I have not watched it at home, and I'm worried it might lose a little. Same thing with Top Gun Maverick. I have not watched that on Paramount+, Plus, and I'm worried it's going to lose a little bit for me. But in terms of big spectacle, uh, those two movies can't be beat, and nope can't be beat. So I have nope as my number three, and it was a nice rebound for me personally because I've been a little down on Jordan Peele and his works and the works related works in the past couple of years, but this I thought was phenomenal. Um, this hit for me. So, nope is number three. Number two. We got two more here. As we, I'm trying to get this under 30. I think I could do it. Uh, number two, Barbarian. This was the year of, uh, 2022 is the year of don't spoil yourself horror. I, I think it's pretty easy to figure out why that is. Uh, we live in a time, we live in times where everything gets spoiled, either through advertising or just uh, scrolling around on your YouTube page and some joker decides to put spoilers in the thumbnail. I've never done that. I overwarn people who are spoiler-phobic, I think. Uh, I don't know if I did at the beginning of this, but sorry. Um, this, though, the setup to this is classic horror. There's something in the wrong with this house-style horror. And I think, though, too, there's something communable, communal about watching something uh, and then rushing out to tell everybody how great something is and how you have to watch it, but don't. Don't look at anything online. Don't look at anything at all. Don't know anything about it. There's something, and then talking to that person after and following up with them, and even if they hate it, but um, it's kind of same thing with like uh, Sleepaway Camp, The Sixth Sense, uh, Blair Witch Project, stuff like that. This is this is in that vein of like, you have to see it, but do not know anything. And a lot of that too is it takes you on twists and turns. The setup is classic horror, but it, it, it provides a twist on that. Uh, Justin Long in this movie uh, is great. Um, I just, just go see it. It's my number two horror movie of the year. Now, there you go. Let's talk about my number one, my favorite horror movie of 2022. And this comes as a big surprise to me. I didn't hate the first movie in this series, but I didn't love it either. I thought it was a fun movie to have a couple beers with, but it caught on and it gained a fan base and it gained a sequel. So my number one movie, bless it for existing, is Terrifier 2. This is far from a perfect movie. It's too long. It doesn't really have anything to say. It's light on plot. And what plot is there might not be the most engaging thing for you. But what this movie did, maybe for the first time in a long time, it reminded me, and it seems like a lot of other people too, but it reminded me personally of why I love horror. And why I love, why I fell in love with horror movies. This movie brought me back to being a kid, being a teenager, and having evil dead parties, horror movie parties, uh, staying up with friends after your parents say they're going to bed, and after scrounging the video store for like new horror movies or horror movies you had heard are like disgusting and you shouldn't be watching, and then waiting uh, for whoever's parents or brother or whoever, uh, sister, to go to older sister to go to bed so you can stay up with your friends and watch some of the grossest stuff you can get your hands on and watching your friend's reaction as you slam Mountain Dew and eat pizza um, and just enjoy yourself and laugh 
and joke and cover your eyes and get gross out or watching something and then rifling through a Fangoria or whatever behind the scenes magazine you can get your hands on or watching the special features, listening to the commentary to try to figure out how they did the effects that they did. This movie, Terrifier 2, is dripping with love for the genre, um, love for effects, love for gore, gore effects, and also its characters. I think maybe that doesn't get enough credit. I think it does a great job with the main trio of characters, especially for a lower budget movie. This is <laughs> this is not a movie for everybody, but it was a movie for me, and it's a movie that I'm happy I watched. Um, it's on Screenbox now. I what, Once again, this is not a movie I can recommend for everybody. This is a movie where, spoiler alert, the clown leaves someone for dead, exits the room, the person is on the ground crying and crawling, bloody, a mess. Um, it's horrible. And then the clown runs back in, with bleach and salt to pull her all over the victim. <laughs> Once again, I'm not saying everybody needs to rush out, but this will find its audience, and that audience is me. I loved Terrifier 2, and it is my favorite horror movie of 2022. Hey, everybody, I don't know if this is coming back. I don't know if the honor roll will come back next year. I've got a lot going on in my personal life for next year, but anybody who's listening to these, or just one of these, or a couple of these, thank you seriously for listening. Um, this has been a lot of fun for me. It's helped me keep up. It's helped keep me young. And I'm almost happy that Terrifier 2 is the last movie I talked about. So I'll go I'll go out on top for the year. Happy New Year to everybody who celebrates the New Year. <laughs> I guess I don't know. Um, but no, seriously, thank you everybody for listening to this and our movie yearbook and all of the podcasts on the Midwest Podcast Network. I just, you're greatly appreciated. Um, and we appreciate it, and we don't say it enough. But I'm almost at 30 minutes, which is my goal. Take care, everybody, and have a great 2023.